their manlyhood. And I'm not saying that our manly manliness is determined by how dirty our, our boots are. And guys, I told you I would wear them. They are in the truck. I do have them. They just weren't as comfortable as these old Pumas right here. Thank you, brother. Uh, so it's not, it doesn't, it's not determined by how dirty our boots are or how hard we work. You know, I was around these men. They didn't, I didn't have to question how hard they would work, but it was so good and so refreshing that the men that were training me in the gospel were men. They were men of men. And then I read that in the Bible where King David, he was on his deathbed. So when you're on your deathbed, you know, that's, you're saying the last words. You're not going to mince words. You're, you're not, you're not sitting around talking about the Braves or, or politics. I mean, you're, the last things you're going to say on your deathbed are what matter the most. And he told Solomon, don't lose your manhood. Don't lose your manliness. You know, and I did a Hebrew word study on it and it means just that. Like it didn't mean anything super spiritual. It was, hey, keep some firmness about you because they're coming. You know, the enemy's going to come and, and so keep it. And I've, I've seen that in ministry. Uh, I've worked in ministry. I've, I've been around the world and, um, the thing I see the most is, is our ladies, our, our, our sisters and our wives, they charge the front real quick, you know, but men, we think that there's just this reserve about us that we're, we've done all, all our, our due for the week and we've done the thing and the man thing and, you know, we don't need to be in the front of the charge. We're kind of back row security, you know, uh, our presence is enough and all that's true. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you look at King David and his life and the way he lived and he's the only man, I believe, you other pastors may correct me on this, where God said, there's a man after my own heart. I know, he, I know Noah lived a life of righteousness. Moses was a, a righteous man. There's only one man, I think, Brother Vic's nodding his head, where God said, that man has a heart after mine. Now, this man, David, he committed a lot of sin. You know, he committed premeditated murder. Not just murder, got Uriah murder. He thought about it the night before just so he could get to his wife, Bathsheba. Then he raped her. Then the prophet Nathan had to come to him and say, look, man, what you've done. I mean, he did some bad things. But in the middle of all that, he was also the one that when the Ark of the Covenant was coming back into Jerusalem, he was dancing in the street. And the Bible says he danced out of his clothes. Now, imagine this altar. I ain't saying y'all come up here and dance out of your clothes and your boots or nothing. (laughs) But imagine that. I mean, I'm about to lose my stuff at Jesus over my family, you know. I'm about to lose it up here. And I got past it. You're not going to out-worship this man. <laughs> you know, I like it. I like it. But what does it look like if, if, if it's just men and we're worshiping? And that's, that, man, that sets the standard. It sets the standard in the community. It sets the standard in our wives' eyes when they look at us, you know. And so I just don't hold back. It's okay. Like I said yesterday, I got this teal Bible. This is my wife's. I got enough manliness in me that I had no complex. This thing is teal. I still got a little finger paint on my pinky from my daughter painting my fingernails. You know? Hey, men. Let's get it. The righteous are bold as a lion. You ever seen a, a male lion that didn't roar and, and let everybody know he was in the yard? Come on. And I tell you, when you get the Spirit of God in you, and Paul talks about the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. It's exploding in my heart. There is no contemporary worship. I, I mean, I, I'm chomping at the bit to get to Him. Like, I want to get to Jesus even more. Like, like it's not enough just to sing a song. It's not enough just to read a passage. It's not enough to preach. 
Like, I got to know that I'm, that you're with me and that you hear me and that I hear you and, and, and that me and you are together. I got to know it. Like I know the, this tattoo on the back of my hand. I got to know I'm not satisfied. You know, and when you get in that posture, you're going to, like what Paul said, I outrun my contemporaries. I outran those men that were running with me. You know, let go of the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares you so you can run your race with endurance. You know, so I've seen it a lot in ministry, uh, but I think the Lord is, you know, the way the Lord is letting things happen in politics and letting things happen in the earth. And we're seeing just all kind of craziness. It's like the Lord's sitting back. The Bible actually says until I make my enemies my footstool. So he waits on us so he can, you know. Ask the Lord, how long are you going to tarry? When are you coming back, Lord? Does it got to get any worse, you know, until my enemies be made my footstool? You know, and it's like the Lord's just sitting there waiting on the men of God. The Romans 8.19, for the earnest expectation of creation, eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. That earnest expectation in Romans 8.19, that if you do a Greek word study, it means the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits so that, that means if you do, I, I love word studies, word studies. It means that creation itself is looking at the sons of God, the sons of man, which is our, our lady sisters, everybody included, with an outstretched neck. Yes. Creation itself is waiting on us. Amen, that's right. I mean, really do a word study on this. This thing will shake you to the core. It, it's like creation itself, the trees, the flowers, the birds, angels, everything that he ever created is looking at sons of men. Yes. What is man that you are mindful of him, God, that you have set him a little lower than the angels? What is man? What is old Blake that God is mindful? And creation itself is looking at me with an outstretched neck, with such intent, waiting on me to understand who I am in Christ. An outstretched neck. I wish I could pull up my, my Greek Bible study right now just to show you this. I love that. It's like you're, you're sitting up. I almost used a prison example, but I realize I'm the only person in here that's been. So... I used to look at parole with an outstretched neck. Is it, is it coming or not? You know, imagine being in the driveway and daddy's coming home from work and you're sitting there and you're looking down the road and just earnest expectation of one day you're going to soon you're going to hear that truck coming down the road and daddy's home. That's what creation's doing, looking at us as we worship him. Outstretched neck, such expectation, right? 1 Peter 1.12, it says this, and, and I just got this in worship. I want to just stay on this for a minute. When we worship and we live a life of faith, we do something that Peter said that the angels themselves. How many of you know that angels are real? Let's just go ahead and get that, check that out of the box. Not hocus pocus stuff, but they're real, right? Not going to get too deep off into that. We're not, not alone. I don't worship angels or pray to angels, but they are a real part of the invisible realm of the kingdom of God. Right. And Peter said this in first Peter one twelve. It's not on my notes, guys. I, I, I didn't know. You just... But it says this. All right, let's go to verse 10. It says that of this salvation, the salvation that we have right now, raise your hand if you're saved in here. If not, I pray you're going to get saved today. Of this salvation that we are standing in, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. So the prophets in the Old Testament, when they were prophesying about the coming Messiah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Obadiah, Nahum, Malachi, all the boys, all the guys, all the ladies in the Old Testament that were prophesying about a salvation that's coming to not only Israel, but the Gentiles also, we're standing in the salvation that they looked into carefully, but they didn't experience it. That's why Jesus was talked about uh, that in, in uh, everybody before Abraham, 
right? Everybody after Abraham up until his time was going to hear the gospel. So they were inquiring about a salvation. They were looking carefully into it. It's the salvation that you and I stand in right now, right? And he says this, he says, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. So they were prophesying, they were seeing in the spirit of a grace and a salvation that was coming to the whole world, but they themselves were not experiencing it, but they were prophesying it. They saw it coming, right? And then it says right here in verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them. So Jesus, the Holy Spirit was in them in the Old Testament, in these prophets coming upon them. They were prophesying of grace and salvation. Imagine that. That's just, I love the Bible. The Lord stretches my my noodles sometimes, and I start thinking, how, was it frustrating that they saw the grace that was coming to us, but it was not offered to them because he wasn't getting crucified for them? You know that, that's a whole other teaching for a whole other hour, but imagine prophesying that there's coming to a generation salvation, but we're not going to get it, they're going to get it, right? But then they ended up getting it through him. But it says this, It says that the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow. Verse 12, to them it was revealed that not to themselves it wasn't coming, but to us. Say us. Us. Listen to this. When you worship, when you live a life of faith, anytime throughout the week, me and Eric were talking about this today, it doesn't matter if I'm with church in church on a Sunday morning or if I'm in my yard on a Tuesday evening, I'm with him. I'm with him. And when I'm praying, watering the crepe myrtles for God just to talk to me, the angels are listening and they're looking and creation itself, the oak tree right there. And I'm not trying to get strange on you, but everything that he created is looking earnestly, expecting the moment when we realize the salvation and the faith that we're standing in. Right. It says this. Hallelujah. To them, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you. Through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So those who preached the gospel, preached the salvation, people got saved. And the end of the verse says this, so powerful. It says it's the things that angels desire to look into. The angels desire to look into the faith and the salvation that you stand in. So when I'm worshiping, when I'm living a life of faith, I'm not just singing words on a screen. I'm aware that there's a cloud of witnesses around me, that somewhere in the spirit realm that Moses could be looking at me, that somewhere in the spirit realm that angels are desiring, they're looking into the the faith and the salvation that old Blake Russell has standing here with his eyes closed and his arms lifted. And they're going, what is that faith? That word look into is the Greek word to stoop down. When he, when Micah gets up and he runs up to me, most of the time I have to stoop down to hear what he's saying. I'm six four, he's probably three foot. Right? I can listen to him, but I stoop down. It's like when you stoop, if I went over here and pulled that curtain back, I would stoop down to see what's in there. That's what, that's the posture that the angels have, that the spirit realm has over you and I when we're worshiping the God, when, when we're worshiping God, when we're reading our Bible, when we're praying, they're desiring to look into the salvation that we have stepped into. Faith, men of God, women of God. There's a whole nother realm that watches. There's a whole nother realm. This is the stuff that we need to know that actually makes faith fun. <laughs> like, do you really, do you hear me? Like, God, he, I'm praying, but it's just, you know, August in the South. It's hot and bills are due and lost my job and 
you know, wife has cancer and, and all this stuff. And like, where are you? But there's an ever-present reality to hold up. I'm not alone. You're not alone. And what faith does, this beautiful impartation that as it comes more and more and more, we talked about it a little bit yesterday and I'll go into it some today. The more I grow in my faith, the more I'm ever aware of another present reality. That Jesus comes closer, that he's not just a logical Jesus that I'm following, but he's a reality Jesus. And then don't start having encounters and experiences with the spirit realm because then you're really undone. Right. Hallelujah. So the things that angels desire to look into. The earnest expectation of creation, eagerly awaiting for the revealing of the sons of God or the daughters of God. That word sons is a kind of a gender neutral Greek term. It means mankind. Right. But a little side joke. Ladies, if we can be called the bride of Christ, you can be called the sons of God. <laughs> All right. I'm the bride of Christ, you know. <laughs> The ladies, the revealing of the sons of God. Y'all okay with that? Isn't that beautiful? The Lord has no complexes. Man, we took and twisted. He has no complexes. The rainbow used to be a beautiful thing to him. Still is to him. You know, we twisted for our own evil desires. So hallelujah. So yesterday we talked about faith. A little bit. Uh, we talked about prayer for those of you who were not here. And I'm going to carry into that and then I'm going to leave time in the end. Uh, just at the end, the worship team, however the leaders feel led, when I, when I do give that call, if you could just come back up and kind of stay in that same vein. That was beautiful. Um, I, I believe the Lord's going to heal some people, uh, some trauma. Um, there's some, uh, some things in here that that you have been walking with that you just can't quit, seem to let go of. They're not heaven or hell issues. They're not salvation issues, but they are hindering your testimony. They're hindering your prayer life. They're hindering you being able to read the word. They're hindering some things, right? It's what the Hebrew, Hebrew says, uh, let go of the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares you so that you can run your race. And God's going to deliver if, if you'll come, he'll do it. You know, Jesus lives, he preached a standard, a lot of a, if then. The gospel is an if then gospel. If you do this, then this. Isn't that beautiful? So grace is like, like I said yesterday, grace is God's hand in a handshake. So if me and, if, let's just say I'm the Lord and I shake her hand, salvation is my grace, but her faith. And that's how we meet in the middle. Through grace, through faith, you've been saved, right? And so the gospel is the same way. When I made that decision in 2012 to give my life to Jesus, the grace was there. But then what was on my end was obedience. And it was hard some days. But I had to do it because I saw breakthrough and freedom on the other side of my obedience. And so when an altar call comes, whatever a man of God or a woman of God uh, speaks, prophesies from the pulpit, in this house, I know it's a trusted house. This is not a house that's hurting anybody. I've been in some churches where they prophesy from the pulpit and, and it's injuring the people. right? But a lot of times our breakthrough depends on our obedience to hearken to the word that's coming forth. All right, and men, this morning, I don't, I know the Lord, you're on His heart. Men. Maybe because of the conference and just the, I'm telling you, the greatest thing that ever happened in my life, Blake Russell, a 29 year old gang member, a baseball player, a, a, a man among men, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was I said yes to Jesus. 
and yielded to becoming a disciple and a student of Jesus, a man from Galilee that I'd never met outside of the Spirit, right? Never even been to Galilee, but I became a student of His Word, and it hinged on my ability to look at my life, the things that I needed to clean up, and give them to Him. And I'm telling you, there's breakthrough for the men in the house, for the ladies too, but a breakthrough if you'll yield and, 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 and be obedient. It doesn't matter your sin. It doesn't matter whatever it is. It, it, it doesn't matter. And I don't want to, I don't always preach on sin, right? The book of Revelation says that in that time, the lamb is going to feed them, right? The lamb will feed them. When we get to heaven, Jesus ain't going to talk about sin. He's not going to preach sermons about sin, right? It's just going to be all over with. But now, to live a life of breakthrough, there's just some things that we have to we have to get figured out and let go. So anyway, that's how faith increases. The more I'm obedient, the more faith. Why? Because the more obedient I am, the more my spirit is quickened. Because I'm denying the flesh and I'm letting the spirit breathe, eat, and live. Right? The more I'm obedient, the less I, the more I starve out my flesh and the things my flesh wants to do. And the more the spirit starts to eat. The Bible says that the spirit and the flesh, they wage war against each other. There's enmity between them. There's separation. Right? And so I found out very early on in my walk with the Lord that if I went obedient to the Word of God, I got around some men of God that held me accountable. Thank God I was in prison when I got saved. Thank God. Me and Eric were having this conversation yesterday. Thank God. How hard is it? I could lead one of you men to Jesus right now here today, but tomorrow morning you're going to work. I'm going to work. You're coming home to kids, and the house needs to be cleaned, and the grass probably needs to be cut. Next thing you know, a whole day's went by, and you ain't done nothing in the Spirit. I ain't necessarily done nothing in the Spirit. I call you on a Wednesday or a Thursday and say, how you doing, man of God? I ain't seen you in four or five days. You're doing good. I'm expecting you to be able to have that encounter carry you all the way through. It's so hard out here to give your life to Jesus and stay in it. Because the bill's got to be paid. The kids got to be fed. You got to have affection with your wife and live with her. But in prison, I'm telling I ain't telling you to go out and commit a crime. <laughs> but if you ever find yourself in prison, go ahead and give yourself to the Lord. It's a beautiful thing in there. Because you don't have nothing but time. All right? Some of you in here, if, you, if you're on probation, don't. You need a report. <laughs> don't be not reporting. But Brother Vic knows, man, it was a beautiful time. It was tough. Why? Because accountability was there. We could get around each other and and hold each other accountable and lift each other up and prayer call and, and Bible study and all that. But you can do it out here, but it takes a little more of a, of an obedience effort. It takes a little more of a, of a, you setting your face like Flint to do it, right? But I'm telling you, there's a, there's a, obedience and purity is a, is a vehicle into more faith. It's just how he set it up. I don't know, you don't, it's not a sermon. It's not laying on of the hands. I'm, t- I'm telling you, in my early years, I had hands laid on me by some of the, if I said some of their names, you'd be like, whoa, you met him? And I would go right back home and sin. So Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus laid hands on the man at the pool. He'd been there for 38 years. The pool of Bethesda, right? What did Jesus say to him when he laid his hands on him right before he walked off? He said, now go and sin no more. I read that and I was, and it hit me. I was like, so the miracle wasn't the thing that was going to keep him. 
Like we, we, we want miracles. We want blessings. We need them. They're part of the kingdom. They're going to happen. But the thing that he said, now look, I'm telling you, I healed you. This man hadn't walked in 38 years. Jesus didn't throw a party. He didn't. I wonder what Jesus' Facebook would have looked like. Would he have posted it? He would have probably posted it. The Bible ain't nothing but a big Facebook post. Peter and them had a, a whole bunch of accounts. You know, they're posting stuff all the time. But he looked at him. He didn't celebrate it. He didn't say, woo, now how do you feel? You feel good. How you feel? You're walking for the first time in 38 years. You've laid right here as a beggar. He looked at him and said, now go, but don't sin no more. And then that made me think, was the man sinning sitting there? He had to have been. He had, he had to have been in a sinful nature or state or something. He didn't lead him to him. He didn't say, now you follow me. You become a disciple. He said, go and sin no more. Because Jesus knew that the, the pathway into a life of salvation and faith on this side of heaven is obedience. I desire obedience over sacrifice. Sacrifice in that time was their worship. Right? It was our worship. Their worship in the Old Testament was, was their sacrifice of the bulls and, and all the things. And, and God said, I desire obedience over all that that you do. So it takes a little bit on our part. And I, I'm not, this ain't even on my notes. I just felt the Lord is ministering to somebody, ministering to me. I'm speaking to myself. I've learned that behind Behind all the smoke and the closed doors. Like when I'm, I'm in that hotel room last night by myself. My wife had to go back home. Our little girl was sick. I begged her to come back. I didn't want to be in that room by myself. But I'm just sitting there. Right? And how many of you have ever stayed in a hotel and you're, you're inclined to the spirit realm? There's a lot of stuff going on in, in those hallways. There's a lot of stuff going on in the hallways of a hotel. I'm laying in that room thinking, what has went on in this room? Because in my head, and I got a witness right here, a sister right here. Yes, she knows. But obedience to him. I'm sitting there. And I'm thinking, Lord, I could watch TV. I could, I could do whatever I want to. I could, you know, I could, whatever. I'm just going to read the Bible and go to sleep because I know better. I know that there ain't nothing going on in here outside of your word. But there's thoughts and voices. And I'm in a, I'm in a dang war zone. Right? But I know there's angels looking into the salvation I have. There's a great cloud of witnesses. And I know the Bible says that if you're, a, you're they're, they're, when you die, you're asleep for a certain thing. I'm not going to that doctrine, but I, what, what encourages me, men and women of God is, is when I'm living this life, life of faith, I like to think that the men that went before me can see me somehow. That Moses can watch me. Ezekiel is looking at me. If I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, who are the witnesses out of Hebrews 11? All the ones that went through. To be, pre- uh, to be separated from the body is what? Present with the Lord. And so this encourages me. And I hope I'm, I hope I'm making sense to y'all. Sharing my heart with you here. Um, talk about faith and increasing faith. Because that's really all it is. That's, that's really all it is. Faith. To know that you're with God and that he knows you and that you know him and that he hears your prayers and that you hear his voice. That's all any of you need. Amen. Because if you knew that, like the back of your hand, there would never be any doubt of any other lack of faith or anything. If you knew God was with you, like I know she's with me way more than just the ring on my finger and the last name on her Facebook. Right. I know she's with me because I've had experiences, encounters with this woman that says she is my wife. 
And there's nobody or no place or no thing that could tell me she's not really your wife. Right? It's the same faith, increasing faith, strong in the faith. Jesus said, how long shall I bear with you, O doubtless and faithless generation? Faith. If you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. It all hinges on faith. Right? And there's ways to increase our faith and strengthen our faith. And it's intimacy with Him and experiences with Him through the Word of God, through prayer, through doing the works of the Gospel. That's how our... And it's, it's supernatural. It doesn't make sense. It's the laws of kingdom. Right? But as I walk with Him and do the things of the kingdom and of the Christian lifestyle, this thing gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And this whole stuff gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And so men, I'm going to keep coming back to you. Go all in. Get radical. Get crazy. Fast till you look sick. Pray. Have your wife telling you, you maybe you, you need to go talk to Pastor Randy. You're losing your mind. Go for it, guys. Go for it. Go for it. Take a season. Go to work. Punch in. Do your job. But leave it there. Go for it. Take the rest of the year. We're in the month of August. We're in the eighth month. You got uh, September, October, November, December. Take the next four months. Fast two days a week. Get up every morning at five o'clock and pray for an hour. Go to sleep at night. Make a cup of coffee at ten o'clock. Pray for an hour. And watch. Something inside of you is going to get activated. And it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And you're going to notice. You're not going to be able to write a sermon or explain to somebody how you got more faith. There's just going to be an inner witness that says, man, something's different. I'm stronger. The things that I used to do, I no longer do those things. The things that I want to do, I can't do those. The things I don't want to do, that's what I practice, Paul said. Right? Paul said the things I used to do, I'm embarrassed by those things. You can't do it on your own strength. You have to have supernatural faith that's being quickened in you more and more and more and more. I'm right. I'm telling you from the, if, if, if you follow me around the last 10 or 11 years, you'd be like, he's preaching the truth. I'm just giving you my life and what it's looked like and what works. Don't you want what works? You want what works. You don't want to hear about God. You want to hear from God. I'm doing nothing. If I, if all I do is stand up here and tell you about God and you leave this place and you can't learn to hear him more for yourself, then what I'm doing is not preaching life. I'm just preaching principles and precepts. Right. I stood in front of principles and precepts all my life. I stood in front of psychiatrists with big degrees on the wall. Right. I stood in front of judges and probation officers said, if you do this, you do this, you do this. The only person they got through was the active word of God himself. So it's not a principle. You got to fall in love. You got to love God with all your heart, soul, strength. Even Paul Mark says your mind. What does that look like? That looks like something. It looks like something. If you love me, then what? You'll keep my commandments. If I love her, I stay with her. If I'm running around on her, if I'm cheating on Jesus, if I'm cheating on her, I don't love her. I can tell her I love her. But to know him as a firsthand acquaintance, to gnosko, gnosko in the Greek, it means to be intimate with him. Depart from me, I never gnoskoed you. I never knew you. Like I said yesterday, I'm going to be probably, <laughs> I say this, I don't have no idea what the kingdom of God's going to look like when I get there. I know what Revelation tells me, so I'm just saying this in good humor. But if there's a line when I get there of, let's say I'm number 300 of all the people that died on the earth that day. Like, it's my day, I died, and 3,000 other people died that day, so Blake's like number 300. I'm going to be all out of line, waving at Jesus on the throne, you know? Like, Lord, I made it. I love you. Can I come up there? I mean, is he a good father? 
Yes, He's the Lamb of God with, with eyes of fire and wool. And there's lightnings and thunderings around Him. But He also says, call me Abba. Which means daddy in the Greek. And that, I don't tell that boy that just walked out here to call me daddy and then I'm mean to him. No, daddy is a love term. I quit calling my dad daddy around the age of nine. Daddy. Jesus said, Abba, Father. That means daddy God. I got judged in prison that day when I gave my life to him. That was the judgment. Right now, I'm going to give an account for every word I've ever said when I stand in front of him. But I'm going to be judged then according to my rewards, the works I've done since I've known him. I passed through judgment that day. I'm not scared to go there. Why would I be scared? God forbid the day Micah come home and he's scared of daddy when he gets there. We're going to a place that my faith has been quickened and activated so much that when I get there, there is no, is Jesus acting funny? Like I made it. I made it. We made it. In the last 10 years, what's got my faith to that place is, I oh God, y'all don't know, I have, me and Eric, we talked about it a little bit this morning. You men in here, you shouldn't feel bad one day of your life. Now, if there's something in your life that you need to get rid of, we don't joke about that, we get rid of it. But if you love God, you ought to celebrate it and live it and go for it. Because I know he's got me. Because I hadn't lost my mind. We've been through some seasons. This has been one of the hardest seasons. You know, I've laid in the yard over a business before. Crying in the backyard with anxiety and a nervous breakdown. A landscaping business that grew so big I couldn't hold it. And then she said standing over me, just sell it. So we sold it. But he kept my mind. He kept me from not going back to dope. He kept me from not going into uh, adultery. He kept me from not going to the bottle. He kept me from not going to porn. He he kept me. And when I look back, when I come out of that season, I look down. I always look down because the spirit is here. And I go, man, I'm pretty strong, ain't I? He's strong in me. Man, I tell you, if you're sitting in this church on a Sunday morning, you're stronger than you think. Like that young man that left. All he needed to do is just come and sit. Nobody's judging him. Nobody cares. If my life played out like the lyrics on that song, you'd be like, how does the Lord even let him preach? Because <laughs> I found a man after my own heart, he says. I found a woman after my own heart. I found a man after my own heart. It ain't perfection. This is passion. It ain't got nothing to do with perfection. It's passion. That ought to be setting some of you free. It ain't got nothing to do with perfection. It's passion. If it has to do with perfection, then the cross is in vain. He knew we would need that. He knew I was going to need it. Day one and day 3,000. He knew. Blake Russell. The blood has to speak favorably for me every day. In front of the accuser of my life. Because the devil stands there and accuses me. He accuses you every day in the blood for 2,000 plus years. Just flowing, speaking favorably. It don't matter. I love them. It don't matter. I love them. I knew they'd need me. He knew you were going to need him. So even as I'm running with stuff that's holding me down, I'm still running. But you run with a 50-pound vest on your chest that's sin or a hindrance. And next thing you know, God delivers you from it and you take it off. And then you realize, whoa, I really am strong. But now it's time to really run. And so today we're going to do that. We're going to pray and get set free from some things. In the moment, I've prayed for people that have smoked and and, and dipped and, and done all that stuff. I've prayed for men that's had sexual stuff. And I didn't think that anything happened. I just prayed and 
They were crying. I might have been crying, but I went on about my business and went to lunch. And life went on. Two or three weeks later, I get a message on Facebook. Blake, I just want to let you know, man, since you laid hands on me that day, I hadn't done it since. And I go, oh, my God, that's God. Has nothing to do with me. Has nothing to do with me. And I'm telling you, if you know like I know, you want to be free. Do you want to be free? Hallelujah. So going, increasing faith, faith and increasing faith. There's a couple things. I spoke on prayer yesterday. So if you're taking notes, just write down prayer. And I'm going to go through this one kind of quick um, and then get into uh, your word level. Right. Word level means this. It means it literally means how much of this do you know? Uh, do you know this? Because it's got to be deeper than just cliches or, or coffee mugs. Like you have to be a student of this because not only the enemy is going to test you where you don't know this. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you where you know this. Right. So prayer, the word of God, the literal, there's the revelation, the, the rhema, the spoken word of God. But there's also the logos. And he starts with this. This is the blueprint of where God speaks to you because he's going to speak to you on your vocabulary, vocabulary level of where you know this. Right. <clears throat> this too shall pass. It's not in the Bible, y'all. I just want to say that. It's really not. It, you didn't know that, did you? You can't find it in the Bible. <laughs> I just knew that. I, I, I thought it for years. I think she. Did you say it a couple months back? And I told you. We have it on a mug, coffee mug. But prayer, prayer, real quick, just for a recap. Real prayer, and I'm not trying to take anybody's prayer life because petitions and supplications are right. They say do that, right? I'm talking about personal intercession that strengthens your faith. If something happens to one of you, or I'm riding down the road on the way home, and there's a lady who's whatever, and i got to get out of the car, and I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over her, that's not my personal prayer life that's really edifying my faith. In that moment, I'm using my faith to tap into the Spirit and pray for her according to what she needs in that moment, whether it be the blood of Jesus, or God save her life, or Holy Ghost come, or whatever that is. I'm not talking about prayers and supplications of a prayer life, Right? I'm talking about personal prayer life that builds faith, like Jude said, praying in the Holy Ghost, edifying yourself, building yourself in your most holy faith. When Jesus would go up early in the morning, it said that he would get up before anybody, before the sun came up, and he would go up and pray. In the book of Acts, at the hour of prayer, I think it was 9 o'clock a.m., where Peter and James, they said they went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, right? I'm talking about personal prayer life that increases our faith, okay? And there's a few just principles that I've found that helped me along the way. Number one, it's the only place in the gospel where the disciples said, teach us. Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach me how to walk on water. Not teach me how to heal the sick. Not teach me how to multiply bread. Not even teach me how to make a disciple. Teach us how to pray. That's powerful. They walked with him for three years. And at the end of his ministry, they said, all right, if we're going to get anything, guys, we're going to take a vote. We want to learn how to pray, right? Amen. Lord, teach us how to pray. <laughs> Not teach us anything else. Because they saw when he went up or came back, when he connected with the Father, he flowed from that place. And everything he did in public ministry came out of those early morning walks up that mountain. Hallelujah. Moses, when he came down off the mountain of, of, of Sinai, said his face shone. He went up there. God said, come up. What did Moses do? He went up. Moses had to wait on the Lord for seven days. 
Imagine God tells you to come up. You get up there. Day one goes by. Nothing happens. Day two, I start questioning him. I probably didn't hear it. That probably wasn't even him. I done sold the farm and everything and come up here on this mountain and I done missed God. Right? She's texting me. Has he said anything? It's day five. He ain't said nothing. Well, baby, you might need to get on home. I'm tired. You know, day six, day seven in the cloud. Jesus and Moses had that model of prayer life. They knew how to go up, wait, get a word from him. Their face shone. Mountain of Transfiguration, God spoke to Jesus. His face shone. So when you go into your prayer time, from here on, not from just here on out, I'm not trying to take your prayer, whatever, but there's one thing I really want to drive home to you. You ever heard, bombard the gates of heaven? That's also not in the Bible. Come boldly to the throne of grace is, and I think that's where that comes from, but bombarding, how are you bombarding the gates of heaven? If you're saved, the gates are open. Those doors will swing wide if I walk through them, right? I'd be a fool standing there banging. And and Pastor Randy's like, son, the doors are open. The doors and the gates of heaven are open for you. You know how you enter into them? With thanksgiving. Psalm says this, you come into his courts with praise. You enter his gates with thanksgiving. So prayer is a model, right? We go in, there's the model prayer that Jesus prayed us. But you're not sitting in your prayer closet every day reciting, oh, Father, who art in heaven? And then just keep reciting that. Because then you're praying to a God that that was the model prayer of who he was, where we were, forgiveness and all that. But so when you go into his presence and you pray, rest first. If you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to try this. And I've seen it happen. It will happen. It happened to me. When you learn to rest in God's presence, in your prayer life, whatever that looks like, in this sanctuary, in the closet at home, you're going to feel your body start to go through some manifestations. Because you've looked at this thing so much. It's going to be the first thing. Don't take this thing anywhere close with you. Not even for worship music. Because then you're going to be tested. You're going to hear something about a verse in the Lord. And you're going to go on Google and be versed. And next thing you know, you're on Instagram. Rest in His presence. Let your body go through that detox phase of the first 10 to 15 minutes. Don't beat yourself up. You're supposed to be praying and you're thinking about the sprinklers that you didn't turn off. You know, I'm just giving you what I do. I got a laugh over there. He probably done it too. Rest in his presence. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait means to sink down. It means to do nothing. It means to fall off. It means to let go. So wait upon the Lord. Then we sit in wonder. We thank him. So the first couple minutes of prayer life looks like rest and waiting. I'm not praying anything. I'm not saying anything. Coming into his presence out of a spirit of anxiousness. Right? How do you, how many of you know? I know, I'm preaching to myself that most of the time when I go into his presence, I'm praying from an anxious spirit. Are we, am I not? Yes, you are. She can tell, yes, I am. I'm asking and begging God to, and I'm anxious. I'm anxious. It's like Micah, if he runs up to me and he's begging, Dad, are you going to cook dinner tonight? Are y'all going to feed us tonight? Are you going to do this? Lord, don't you know I'm hungry? Don't you know I'm hungry, Daddy? It's, I ain't ate since lunch. And I'm like, who? We've always fed him. He's always fed you. God's always done exactly everything that you needed. Peter says this, you got everything that pertains to life and godliness. Even right now, what you think you need, you have everything that pertains to life and godliness. Right now, in this moment. And it came through that. And so when I come into his presence, I'm not anxious. We have a saying in our church, 
Begging prayers in this church are illegal. We don't do them. We don't beg. He's not a, I'm not a beggar in front of my father who's the king of the universe. I'm a child of God. And the best position I can take in him is honor, thanksgiving, and a posture of listening to what he wants to say and what I need to pray. Because Paul said it's been given unto the church to make known the mysteries of God to the principalities in the heavenly realms. It's been made known to me and you what to pray so that the principalities, the angels, and the demons know what's going on down here. Paul said that in Ephesians. To make known to the church the mysteries of God. We're the church. So rest, thanksgiving, and then listening. Rest, thanksgiving, and listening. And you'll see as you rest yourself and you wait upon the Lord, you'll settle in and, and, and the Lord will start training you about His voice. And if you know the Word, I'm going to get in that to a minute. Most of the time, He'll speak to you from the Word of God. He'll quote scriptures to you about your moment. And you can ask things about, what do you pray about you? I pray about her cancer. But the Lord told me about her cancer when she first got it. Son, it's not unto death. And so I don't run into his presence now acting like I never heard that word. You need a job. You need finances. Well, the Bible says King David said I was young and now I'm old. And there's two things I've never seen. Say I'm righteous. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. So if you're without a job or you're in a pension situation, it's okay. Just rest and wait on the Lord. He's going to open the door. Because his, his seed never begs for bread. I tell her all the time, if I make a wrong business decision, what do I always say? Well, there's always your mama's house. <laughs> and she, I told her every business deal I've ever done, and I've owned a couple of them and built them and sold them. I say, honey, if it goes under, there's always that back bedroom at your mama's. <laughs> and she lives on a lake. So we're going to be good. You know? Have I not said it? All the time. And she's like, I'm not living at my mama's. We lived at my mom's. We planned on being there for six months. We lasted nine weeks. I came home and said, you got to get us out of here. So we rest and we act like, oh, this takes some training. I go in there and I'm like, Lord, her cancer's not unto death. What are you saying about it? Because that's what I want to pray. I can pray the blood and I can pray, enemy, get your hand off my family and all that. But I understand also that I'm redeemed, you're redeemed, but the world that we live in, the flesh I live in is not. It's not redeemed. Like I said yesterday, the world can't wait to die. This whole flesh can't wait to die. Every day it wakes up thinking, yes, I'm one day closer. But the spirit has been redeemed and renewed. And so I need to pray to him, whatever. If he is spirit, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What are you saying about my life, my situation, my family, the people that are attached to me? Because I only want to say back to you what you're saying to me. Jesus said, I only did what the Father did. I only said what he said. Right? And so I get quiet. I let my my spirit settle into a position of wonder. What am I, God, that you're mindful of me, little old Blake, when you've made the seven wonders of the world, the birds, the squirrels, everything is beautiful. It's all beautiful, God. But me... You tell me to call you daddy. And then I'm in that place and I say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to say to me? And sometimes he just, he, I just hear the Holy Spirit quoting love scriptures or, or whatever. And then me and the Lord, we have this dialogue. And then I get into my petitions. Lord, what about?
Krista's cancer. What do you want me to pray over her? And he says, son, just pray strength. My strength that's made perfect in y'all's weakness. Pray strength. And so all I'm doing is saying strength over my wife. I'm just sitting there in my prayer closet, in my office. And I got my face on the ground. And I'm just saying, Lord, I just bless my wife with strength. 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 Not begging, not anxious. I'm sitting in the presence of my father. And I'm at the table where my enemy is present. And I'd be darned if my enemy is going to look at me with anxiety on me as I'm praying to the king of the universe who is my father. I'm not going to do it. I make a presence, a table for you in the presence of your enemies. The accuser of the brethren standing right there in the courts of God. Satan can still go before God. Why and how? I don't know. That's what he did with Job. He, the Bible says that Satan was there. Instead of, and God and Satan had a conversation. Have you tried my servant Job? I don't know how that's still, I don't have the doctrine of theology for that, but I know that God's in heaven, in his realm, in the throne. And Satan has the ability to come and ask questions. I don't know. There's a theology for it somewhere that it makes sense. But it's above my pay grade right now. <laughs> but it's real. I'm just stubborn enough to look at the Bible like that and ask questions. Like, what? So, all I need to do is get in the presence of God. But where was Satan when he fell? In the presence of God... So that tells me the presence itself is not enough. I need to know him in the presence. When I come into a room like this morning, I'm praying. One of the first things I ask God, there's a lot of people in here, Lord, where are you? What are you doing? He's like, I'm in here. I'm just walking among the candlesticks, walking among the pews. I'm looking at hearts. I'm, I'm delivering some. I'm rescuing some. I'm promoting some, wherever they are in their season. I'm looking at hearts. Right? So we rest. We don't get anxious, we don't beg, and we speak back to him what he's showing us. Okay? And then I get into my, my petitions and I ask God. Sometimes the Lord speaks to me about the things I speak to him about. Sometimes he don't. There's some things I brought before God and he's gotten real quiet about them. He don't say anything about them. He don't talk to me about them. But when I start talking about Africa, God will talk my ear off. Right? When I start talking about, Lord, have you... I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. You call me to pastor and start a church. He don't say nothing. And so I know right there, we're not in that season yet to start a church. Matter of fact, the Lord's told me, you're not going to pastor a church until you're on up there in age. Because you, I ain't, I'll be out, the, I'd be out the back door. I ain't got it in me yet. We had this conversation the other day. Look, when I first got saved, y'all, I love the evangelistic, apostolic, powerful ministry. The Billy Grahams, the Reinhard Bonkies, the big masses. I'm telling y'all, the more I've grown with the Lord, the more I love the office of a pastor. Because when it's all said and done, when the evangelists are gone, when the apostles are gone, when the prophets are gone, it's your pastor that's still here. Right? And so honor your pastor. It's a, it's a big thing. Shepherds. So the Lord speaks to me sometimes about my petitions. I ask, I invite you to ask him. Pray about the things that you need from him that you want to talk to him about and then get quiet. Have your notebook ready. See what he will say. There's, you'll find some things. If you go down the list, he'll speak to you about some of those things. He'll give you wisdom on them. This is what I want you to do. This is what you need to do. Wait here. Don't do that. Hey, go talk to this person. Then you'll ask him something and he's, it's silence. And you're like, did you not hear me? You didn't, and you don't want to talk about it. There's sometimes my son and my daughter says something to me and I don't even, I just completely ignore it. Like, no, I'm not letting you cut the grass. I want to ride the lawnmower like you did, daddy. You're, you're six. You're not cutting the grass. 
But I tell you what, why don't you go get that bucket of balls and I'll throw the ball with you. I start talking to them about what I think they need to be doing. Same thing with him. He's a real father. He's real. This is not logic. It's a reality. Oh, man, and once he trains your spirit more and more and more and more, you learn and you feel like I know he's with me. I know him. It's just it's just so real. So prayer. The second one is the word. This increases your faith, the written word and the spoken word. All right. When I first got saved, I was around some men and I'm around men now and women now that are a little farther along in the Lord than I am. And I noticed one thing. Those who had a better and a greater word level, they had more of this in them. Their prayer life was stronger. Not that they were just quoting scripture and reminding God about what he said in his book, but they had enough history in this because this is alive. Hebrew says it's alive. It's sharper than any two edged sword. It's able to discern. But I saw very early on that I needed to up my word level. I needed to know this because this is how God was generally going to speak to me. The Holy Spirit still uses this. Yesterday I was in the hotel room and I got on my face right before I came. Wasn't begging, but I knew that the, the service and the men and the Lord already told me it's going to be good. And I got down and I started resting and I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do today? And the Lord said, real quick, feed my sheep. That's all he said. I sat there for a few more minutes and kind of worshipped and just told him I loved him. And all he said was, feed my sheep a couple minutes ago. How would I have known what that is if I had not read it before? You can't leave it up to the God of your own imagination just off of cliches and superficial coffee mugs or sermons. You have to get in this. You have to become a student of this. right? You have to be able to rightly divide this. A lot of times the Holy Spirit will speak to you on the level of this that you know. And then he'll come off of this and give the spirit word, the rhema word, the revelation of a word in the moment, in the season that you need it. Right? I mean, I'm in the yard later on and I'm praying about why my crepe myrtle's not growing. The Lord's going to speak to me in the moment, probably not feed my sheep. You know? He's going to speak to you according to where you are based off of the word of God. And I realized that. And then it gave me another hunger for the word of God and I couldn't couldn't get enough of it. Right. But when I got saved, the men would pray in a circle and they would pray Then they would pray in tongues for about five minutes and they'd pray with their understanding for about five minutes and they'd go back in tongues and they'd pray again with understanding. And I'd be thinking, gosh, I wish they would just quit talk, praying. Oh, ain't none of y'all ever done that. <laughs> yeah. I would be like, man, I, my flesh would be grieved. I'd be mad, like tense, knuckles white. I'd be holding their hand, trying not to squeeze their hand. And I'd just be like, gosh, I wish they'd quit praying. But they had word in them. They had some history with the Lord in them. And they were praying. And then they would tell me to pray. And I would pray the little bit of unction that I had in me. And I knew it got to a point where I couldn't just pray the whole Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy prayer. They were pulling on me. Those men of God around me and the Spirit of God was pulling on me. Asking me, calling me up more and more and more. Don't just always feed on the milk, son. Eat some steak. Eat some meat. Feed, feed, feed. Because you're going to feed on the level of your faith. You're always going to feed on the level of your faith. And a hungry man or a hungry woman, you ain't got to call them to the table. They're there. Like our kids, when they're hungry, they're in the kitchen. Mama, when's it ready? They're hungry. It's the same thing with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the things of God. Hunger is an invitation into deeper things of the kingdom. Right? But our spirit has to grow. Our appetite has to grow. You know a baby, a baby can't take 
uh, meat and strong food, right? Our, our spirit, our, our appetite in the natural grows as we grow. Maturity It's the same thing in the spirit. As you grow, your appetite should grow. Your faith should grow. Your appetite should grow where you're not just feeding on a certain level. Like right here, I feel the Lord on this. Right here, for me, I hope this is good. I hope you're eating something. But for me to be able to give you anything from this pulpit, I have to have had for at least today been eaten on another level than you were eating on. Or that I'm not feeding you. Not that I'm higher than you, but that I've had to win up the mountain of God with Jesus, got a word and come down. To feed men, to feed your family in the spirit, you have to eat on another level than where your wife is eating. Sometimes. You have to. I have to look out. I have to go higher with the Lord. And the word does that. Jesus said, man shall not live. Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many of you are going to lunch after this? You know you're going to lunch. Hey, that hamburger place and that, that Mexican place, and I, God, y'all got some good food. That hamburger place has blue ribbon hamburgers. They are award winning over in Ozark. They were good. You're going to lunch. You're going to feed your body. How do you feed your spirit? It has to eat too. It has to eat too. Man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus said, if all you're doing is living by bread alone, you're not really living in the spirit. You're not living in faith. You have to eat on the word of God. That's how you strengthen. And you have to do it on your own. You have to, you have to get your own testimony with the Lord. It's not enough to, to listen to a preacher Watch a YouTube, listen to a worship song. Matter of fact, the woman at the well, there's a powerful revelation in those couple of verses. It says that she went into the town and said, come meet a man that told me everything I ever did. Could this be the prophet? And it said the men of that town believed in him according to her account. So there was a level of belief that comes through somebody testifying. There's going to be a level of belief that's increased in the room from me testifying to the word of God. From brother, pastor Randy doing it every day. There's a level that's coming. To you from the pulpit or from somebody else testifying. We believed in him according to her account of him. We believe today, today was a good service according to brother Pastor Randy's account of the gospel. But it says this, it says that the men went out, the men of the town went out and they saw him for themselves. And it said that we believe, we really believe, the Bible said. They said we've seen him now for ourselves and we really believe. So there was more of a belief that came from them going out and getting their first-hand testimony of him. And I'm telling you, that's it. You don't want to get to heaven and Jesus is acting funny because you wrote in on Blake's testimony. You're still in. It's not a heaven or hell salvation because belief is that strong and faith is that powerful. But don't you want to know him? Know him even more. And then Habakkuk 2.1. I will stand my watch and set myself on my rampart. And watch to peer. There's that word peer into. There's that word look into again like the angels. Look into the distance and watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I'm corrected. So the word of God. Habakkuk was a prophet. And it said, I will stand upon my watch. He was going into intercession. The watchman on his tower. I will watch to see what God will say to me. And what I shall answer when I'm reproved or corrected. Right? All about the posture of listening to hear the voice of God. To strengthen our faith. John 6, verse 53 through 58. I'm going to turn there. If you got your Bible, let's just turn there. 
this good to anybody? Okay. Don't have much longer, and we're gonna we're gonna continue into just prayer for the men and the ladies who want to come down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John fifty three six fifty three said then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. It's like I said yesterday, how's that for a sermon? I mean, you're trying to follow Jesus, and that's what he says to you. I imagine, like I said yesterday, Peter's sitting there going, Man, here he goes with that stuff again. We're trying to get people saved. But he was telling them, you're going to see the power of it in the next couple of verses. He said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. In verse 55, for my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. 56, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me, God is living. He's living. As he sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus was essentially saying he's the bread of life, but he's also the what of God? The word of God. So he's the bread, he's the word. We eat on him, which is the manifestation of God, the word of God. The Bible is the written word of God. In the beginning was the word. Right. All of this encapsulates Jesus himself. I'm not worshiping the actual word of God, but the word of God is a side of Jesus. It's a it's a part. It's a manifested part of him. He's also the bread of heaven. He who eats this bread will he's speaking of himself, who is also the word. He who eats this bread, this word shall abide forever. There's life in this. He who eats this bread, this word life forever. Right. This is alive. It's quicker. It's, it's sharper. The rhema is what Jesus talks about when he says the, the spoken word. The word I've spoken to you, you're already clean. I've already cleaned you from the word. This is the logos word. But this at one point, logos is written word. But rhema is spoken word, utterance. At one point, this was the rhema. The minute they wrote it down and transcribed it, it became the logos. Jesus himself is the manifestation of this. And the spoken word, when he tells me in the hotel room, feed my sheep. Even though that's Logos, it come from the spirit, which is him. Right? And so when I'm worshiping, oh gosh, I can feel it. When I'm worshiping the Lord, I see him. I'm worshiping him on the throne. But I'm also worshiping every facet of who he is and thanking him for the Bible and the way he speaks to me. And just, that's a part of it. It's like something, it's like oil in the machine. Like I need some more fervor in worship. I start thinking about the Bible, how he speaks to me. Then he's using this to speak to me in worship. This is, I, if, I, I don't, I don't want to use the word pity, but I, I feel sorry for the person who refuses this. They refuse this and even the, the unction to get in this. And they worship God. They're believers. It's not a heaven or hell issue. Salvation is there. They're coming in the kingdom. But on this side of it, they have none of this in them. And so they're always being beat up. They're always weary. They're always anxious. They don't have this in them, so they don't know how to wait upon the Lord and renew their strength. 
Strength in God looks like waiting on Him, devouring this. There's no byproduct. You can't, I, I can't depend on, 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 on Pastor Randy's revelation. I've got to get in there. I've got to come in those doors full myself. I've got to come in those doors like a full glass of water and whatever he says just tips me over. And then me and him need elbow room up here because Jesus over my family and just, I'm not back there timid going, is this thing real? Does God feel me? Oh gosh, I, no, I'm so full of the, I'm so full of Jesus, the word of God, prayer that I'm like, man, who's going to worship him today? Who's going to do something today? Who's going, who's going, and then I get holy. Then we get righteous. We get holy, right? You know what the Lord, this is just a personal testimony. We live in the South. Most of us are Republicans. Not all. That's fine. You can be Democrat. That's fine. Man, the Lord ruined me two years ago during the presidential election. Ruined me. I started to put my my name my my mouth on on Biden, right? And the Lord showed me one day how much that was grieving his heart. He said, "Why don't you pray for the man and quit talking about him?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Huh. I was so convicted. But I saw him through God's eyes. God said, I love him. I love him. You don't even know your word curses are coupling with millions of other word curses that's keeping this man from hearing my voice. And I was like, oh my gosh. And next thing you know, in my prayer closet, praying for Biden. (laughs) And loving him. Now when I see him and I see a meme about him, people making fun of him, and it breaks my heart. I'm like, Lord, help him. Bless him, God. Bless him, God. Oh, the word, the word of God. He, the word, the Lord, the Bible and the Holy Spirit speaking it to me ruined my storm theology. You ever heard somebody say, I'm going through a storm? I can't say that no more. Cause in, uh, in, um, it's, it's either an Obadiah or it's Nahum. I think it's Nahum one. Nahum one, maybe verse three. Nahum prophesies and said, God is the God of the storm. He has his way in the whirlwind. So anytime I hear somebody talking about they're in a storm, I'm like, well, God's in the storm. And it ruined me. It ruined my storm theology. The word will mess you up, man. It's a plumb line that God drops in your spirit that keeps you balanced. That wall was put on the plumb line. If it wasn't, then the whole building's off. The word of God is the plumb line that God drops in your spirit that keeps you. Even when your human sentiment, you're old, not on top of your head. When your flesh wants to think otherwise, the plumb line of the word of God is what keeps you centered. You know, the human sentiment, the way we feel about what God's word said is the greatest enemy to the word of God. How I feel about what this says, it ain't about what I feel. It's about have I worshipped him in spirit and truth long enough that my spirit says amen to this, no matter how Blake feels. Hallelujah. He says, pray for those who are in leadership because they are God's ministers to you. So now I'm praying for President Biden. Whatever God says, pray for him. I got some friends that had Trump as my save, my president, Jesus as my savior signs in their yard, and I wanted to go take them up and have a talk with them. I look, what are we, what image are we putting off here? Because I'm telling you, Biden, when he was on that, he was on that just as much for Biden as he was for me. So who am I to put my mouth on this man anymore? And I don't know if this is just me ministering. I don't know if the Lord's using this, but he used it for me and wrecked me and had me sorrowful and sunken down and godly sorrow and repenting for about a week. (laughs) Did you do that to me? You put me on a timer? (laughs) 
I told, I, I came over here and prayed and talked about men, the head of the house. And the time went off and Pastor Randy looked at me and said, time to go eat. <laughs> I'll end it, honey. I'll land the plane. It ain't the Lord. That ain't the Lord. That is not in the Bible. I got to give you the last one right quick anyhow. I love her. I love her so much. We're going to talk about that on the way home. That's <laughs> no, good. It probably was the Lord. It probably was the Lord. It's probably half the room. He's probably thinking, praise God for that woman. <laughs> she hears the Lord. Set that timer. She gonna, they're going to start doing it to you. You better watch that. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. But the word of God in prayer, that's how you increase your faith. Okay. The last one is, uh, and this is only three points. Uh, the last one. <laughs> My points are, look, though, this was the word. This is the last one. So we're good. That was prayer. Two pages on prayer, then the word. And this is the last one. So you're good. Turn your, don't just hit snooze either. <laughs> so how do we grow in our faith? Last principle that I've learned that helps me tremendously is actually doing good deeds. Okay. So you got the word. You got prayer. And you're actually doing things for other people. Um, James says this, uh, chapter 1, verse 22. Um, I'll go there just real quick. But he talks about deceiving yourself. He says this, he said, but be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. James says, if you're listening to the word, but you're not doing what the word says, and that means to you, whatever that means to you, whether that's obedience to the, to the commandments of God, or pure and undefiled religion is taking care of the orphans and the widows, whatever that means to you right now, doing what the word says. James says, if you're only listening to it and not doing it, you have been deceived. You've deceived yourself. And that's a, that's a slippery slope to stand on. You know what deception is? Deception is is when you think something's one way and it's not. You've been deceived. So can you be deceived by the Word of God? The Bible says you can if you're not doing it. That's powerful. Right? And a lot of times, doing good deeds for other people is the last thing I want to do. I want to pray. I want to read the Bible for an hour. I don't want to go out there and sit up under the bridge. I don't want to take... You know, a man to the bus station and pay his fare. That's the stuff my flesh don't want to do. But every time I do it and I come home, I'm so thankful I did. Why? Because it fed my spirit and increased my faith. And Jesus said, when you do it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Lord, when did we visit you in prison? When did we clothe you? When did we give you something to eat? He said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. James also says, when we take care of strangers, we unknowingly entertain angels. How many people have we helped along our way that weren't even real people? We'll get to heaven and see that man that we gave that five dollars to at the gas station. And it wasn't even a real man. It was I think about stuff like that. Jehovah Sneaky. Jehovah Sneaky. So deceiving yourself, not doing the word is thinking uh something is when it's not. And then James also says in uh, chapter 2, your faith, your faith, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works? Can faith save him? Uh, Verse 15, I'll read it from there. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of food, uh, 
and one of you says unto them, depart in peace, go be warm and filled, but you give him none of those things which are needful for the body, what does it profit? And then the last one, even so, faith, if it does not have works, it is dead. Is that not powerful? We're not saved by our works. Right? We're saved by His grace through our faith. But my faith is dead. It means nothing if it does not have something that shows that I have faith. I can't live on the side of a mountain with just my faith. Right? Like I have to be act, faith looks like something. Like love looks like something. Works means deeds or labor for God in the kingdom. That's the actual Greek definition. It means labor. Works. We're talking about feeding our spirit and growing in our faith. Dead in that verse means, it means it's breathed its last. It's destitute of power. So my faith has no power behind it if I'm not putting works with it. Hallelujah. But then works itself without faith is like charities who just do the works. It's, there's no faith. There's, you see what I'm saying? It's destitute of power. It's not transforming the lives of the people that it's blessing. When I hand out a hot dog in the park to a homeless man, and I also present the gospel to him. The hot dog can't save his soul. It can feed him for a minute, but the real thing is I'm preaching the gospel to him that's going to save his soul. When you do works without faith, it's like giving a man that's floating in the ocean a two-by-four to rest on. He don't drown, but you don't actually pull him out. That's like, here, brother, take this two-by-six. We're on our boat. You're not going to drown, but hold on to that board. That's works with no faith. It's powerful. Doing kingdom work. The last one right here. Uh, the keys. If we can do the keys. Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for setting people free today, Lord. Thank you for setting me free, God. Thank you, Lord, that I'll give every account for every word I've ever said, Lord. The last one right here. Jesus said this. John four thirty four. Doing kingdom work is another way our spirit is fed and our faith is increased. Jesus ate by doing the works of the Father. So the disciples, this is John chapter 4, so this is around the Samaritan woman. This is around the the woman at the well. The disciples are away when he's speaking to her. They come back, right? If you back up to verse maybe 32 or 31... He says to them, they come in, they start looking for food. And uh, he, they, they encourage him, they say, Lord, eat. Right? And he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And the disciples probably questioned themselves. Come on, they were real people in a real time. They weren't just walking around like robots. Lord, eat. I have food to eat that you know not of. They said, has anyone brought him any food to eat? Verse 34. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Verse 35. Go back to verse 34, I'm sorry. But they said, eat, Lord. I have food to eat that you know not of. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Jesus was essentially saying, I eat by doing the work that God has given me to do. It's the same thing with you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. By every work that God has sent you to do. By every work. That's how I feed my spirit. Prayer, the word, and my good deeds. If you want to increase your faith, raise your hand.
do these things. Simply do these things. We'll do them in the principles and the blueprint that God has laid out. If any of you men in here, before we close out for the day, if you want these, I feel like the Lord just told me somebody needs these. These are my notes. You can take them. You can go back and listen to the uh, the sermon. But my desire is to leave, always leave a place knowing that I fed somebody something. Not just the sake that I traveled and preached the gospel. Because I'm going to have to give an account for every word that comes out of the pulpit or every message that I pray. And I want you, I want me to be strong in our faith. And it's not necessarily about turning the world upside down for Jesus. We're going to do that naturally. But Jesus said in Matthew 24 that the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness will abound. The goal of me in the gospel is to make disciples and walk with him. Whether that's disciples in a small town or a big city. Walk with him. We want breakthrough. We want obedience. We want to know that we have peace because we're walking with God. That's it. I don't want to hear just about God. I want to hear from God. Don't just tell me about God if you can't get me to hear from God. Alright? Get me there. Take me there. I want to pray for the men and uh, pastor, if there's ladies who will minister uh, to the ladies that come up, I want to pray for you men. If you've got anything, if you're in a good place, if you walked on water yesterday, but you want more, I want to pray. If you feel led to pray for me, come on in here, I see you moving. If you feel led to pray for me, I'm not above anybody, you pray for me. Hallelujah. Breakthrough over addictions. Breakthrough over mental trauma. Breakthrough over, hey, hey, men, lust. It's okay. Nothing is hidden. I'm naked before God. I'm naked before God. No hypocrisy. Whatever it is. Worship team, if you can you feel led to do the, the song. kept saying the men, but uh, for everybody, breakthrough. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything that you're dealing with. This can be a promotion time. The Lord's always on two missions. Rescue, promotion. Rescue, promotion. Rescue, promotion. If you need to be rescued and promoted at the same time, that's fine. Rescue, promotion. Rescue, promotion. I feel even as I'm saying this, there's some of you in here, the Lord's calling you to the mission field. Anybody of you, I want to pray. I want you to come stand right here. We're missionaries. We're going to go to the mission field for a long time one day. But we have a heart for the nations. If you feel like God has called you to be a missionary on foreign soil somewhere, come up here. I want to pray and impart that, the power that's in that calling. Hallelujah. 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 I just feel hunger for God. I'm going to turn this microphone off.